0: hello fans of the nbc television show chuck you are listening to the podcast go chuck yourself that's right this is go chuck yourself and i'm chris gillespie see i uh in spirit of this week's episode which is season 2 episode 17 chuck versus the predator i decided to throw this uh, little effect here on my voice just want to tell you a few things send us an email at go at gmail.com you can also follow us uh, on twitter at go chuck podcast and make sure you like and subscribe to us on apple Podcasts and spotify And boy, we would sure love it if you, you know, you wrote a review for us. That would just be great. Now uh, I will turn this voice effect off and we can get the show started. Here we go. Chuck
1: time.
0: Two oh nine. Specifically, right the second it is two oh nine, but it's Chuck time. If you're listening to this show, it's go Chuck yourself. That's right. My name is Chris Gillespie. My name is Erin Arada. We are your your Chuck ambassadors, welcoming you to all things Chuck. Specifically, this episode. It's season two, and it's episode seventeen. It's Chuck. Season versus two. The predator.
1: Almost legal. Is that a tasteless joke?
0: <laughs> well, no, it kind of works, because if you think about it, like, you know, this episode's all about predators and predatory things, and a predator would target someone who's 17, so yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yes, that's that's why I was, uh, that's why I made that joke, exactly. I was excited about this title, because I thought finally Chuck would confront his friend's predatory behavior. Oh, I
0: thought he was going to confront the predator from the predator movies, which...
1: Spoiler, but he does... But is Yvonne
0: things. in a Predator movie? I think she is. I think she's in, like, she? a new one. Okay, um, that's cool. But that's not what Chuck's fighting. And Chuck's also not fighting the alien. The alien's not fighting the Predator. These are these are things that are not happening this episode. And we're going to discuss it in a second. We're going to get into everything that you have ever wanted to know about Season 2, Episode 17, Chuck versus the Predator. But before that, I... Myself, I'm on a hunt of my own, and I need you, the listener's help. I have a a Chuck-related question that is nagging at me, that has personally wronged me, and I need to get to the bottom of it. Let me explain. Okay. So, early in the season, I write down a list of all the titles of the episodes in the season. So I have them. I have a list, and so if I am referring to, say, our calendar or our, you know, if I'm writing things to for the pre-recorded intros to all of the episodes, I have the titles, things like that. So a few episodes back, season two, episode 15, according to Google, that episode, for whatever reason, is called Chuck versus the Aqua Velva. In reality, this episode is called Chuck versus the Beefcake. So.
1: Okay, if Google says If you that it's Google that?
0: Chuck Season two, it will come up with a list of episodes, and episode fifteen is Chuck versus the Aqua Velva. Just look at the suggestion. all
1: right, I'm doing it. I'm doing it right now. Yeah, okay, you're right. Okay,
0: so I'm not crazy. Aaron is confirming it. You can do this at home. So I may or may not be working this whole time with the knowledge that episode fifteen is Chuck versus the Aqua Velva. I watch episode fifteen. I completely forgot that it was supposed to be called Aqua Velva. I didn't realize that was the beefcake. There's no reference to Aqua Velva. What
1: is Aqua Velva? I believe
0: it's a aftershave product.
1: Oh, I see that, yeah. But also a cocktail. Yes, okay, I see both of those things.
0: And so I was putzing around the internet trying to figure out why this episode would ever be called Chuck versus the Aqua Velva. And I can't find anything. That Only that one list on Google shows chuck versus the aqua Velva. i assumed it was pulling from wikipedia but you go to the wikipedia page about season two says chuck versus beefcake
1: yeah so uh that's a mystery so if uh any of you have any insight into that please please write into us
0: so yes i know that there are a lot of knowledgeable people listening if you have any idea why this is i would be very interested in knowing you can tweet at us or you can email us um i yeah I just want to get to the bottom of this. I feel wronged, yeah. and I I feel like I need justice.
1: I uh t- I literally just learned about this issue now, but I I also want to know.
0: And you are you seem deeply bothered by it. Yeah. You seem very. I had
1: to lay down.
0: Yeah, Aaron, <laughs> Aaron had to lay down because the information over the course is too of you much. talking.
1: Yeah, I laid down. That's why.
0: She's like, oh, this is gonna be a long one. I should just <laughs> <laughs> just shut my eyes and relax a little bit. Yep. Uh, but you're not gonna. I gotta. We gotta energize Aaron to usher us into Chuck versus the predator. Everybody, get on your get on your feet and be get on, on alert
1: because
0: there's a predator in the building.
1: Is it me? Who is the predator?
0: I was just speaking in generalities. Maybe, oh, okay. maybe it's Gloria Estevan. I don't know.
1: Okay. The episode begins with Chuck, Sarah, and Casey returning from a mission where they had to pretend to be plumbers. Uh, they arrive at Chuck's apartment complex still in their plumbing uniforms, which seems like it would blow their covers somehow. I feel like usually they have like a site or a room or like a van or something that they could change in. I don't think they should just like go back to Chuck's home in those outfits. Oh, you but, mean uh, castle? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why this is happening. Uh, but it does, and Casey goes back to his own apartment with the intel they gathered that never comes up again. It's kind of nice to know that they have missions that are happening when we're not looking at them. <laughs> but um, I wanted to know what this intel was. It was
0: actual feces, wasn't it? It was feces I in guess? a bag. I don't know. And they're I didn't
1: look too close. They feel
0: comfortable coming back to the apartment complex because Ellie and Awesome are not there. But apparently yeah. no one else lives there, so they're like, oh, no. we'll have free reign.
1: Yeah. So uh, Chuck asks Sarah if there's been any leads on Orion recently. Sarah tells Chuck to leave the search to the CIA analysts. Unfortunately, once she's gone, we see that Chuck has a search program running on his computer at all hours. As it's running, his webcam turns on. He notices and wonders why that's happened. But we all know why that's happened, and this is why we keep pieces of tape over our cameras. (laughs) Do you do that?
0: Uh, No, because then I wouldn't be able to see you. Oh. Or that's no, nice. actually, that's not true. I can see you. You wouldn't be able to see me, so I just want to make sure that I'm not doing any disservice to you.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. you're welcome. Uh, a man with I don't like. I don't want to be judgmental towards this man' hand, this man's hands, but they're like wrinkled enough that he looks like maybe a middle aged, maybe like slightly older gentleman. Um, he's a man sitting at a keyboard. He has a literal black hat upon his head. He's sitting at a computer desk in Hong Kong. Watching Chuck over his uh, own webcam, much like I'm watching Chris right now. The man uh, seems to not have identified who Chuck is because the little banner says "Identity not confirmed." I didn't mean I didn't wasn't sure if that meant like he didn't know who Chuck was or if Chuck didn't know who he was. I'm not I don't really know what that little banner meant. Uh, as we watch, the man pulls out some high-tech computer wrist gear and locks his computer. The door suddenly bursts open and a bunch of agents with guns rush in. But the black-hatted man is nowhere to be seen. One of the agents, who we find out later is named Vincent, notices that there's still ice in the glass of whiskey on the computer desk. He says, Orion was just here. So now we know that the hacker man is Orion.
0: Oh, 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 Orion. Auto parts. Is that a thing? O'Reilly auto parts.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Friends of the show. Uh, For all your auto parts needs, check out O'Reilly's.
1: So a live message shows up on Orion's computer. Like, I don't really know how to describe that. Like, it's like when your computer has been hacked, like in the Matrix, mm-hmm. when, like, something comes up and it's like, we're watching you, Neo. It's like that. Um, it's like white or a green text on a black screen. Um, the message from Orion says it's been a hard day for Fulcrum and it's about to get worse. Just then, what we assume is a missile hits the room and all the Fulcrum agents dive for cover. Back in LA, the Bimore has been... Con- Completely teepeed, apparently by the staff of the flagship Bymore in Beverly Hills, who show up. Um, they all wear their polos over white button-downs, and they're very pretentious. It's kind of, I, like, I don't want to pass judgment on everything, but, like, Beverly Hills has a connotation. and It's kind of weird to think that this, like, big box retail store, like, originated on Wilshire Boulevard, like, in Beverly Hills. Like, I don't, I don't know about that. I feel like it's more likely, like, I mean, it's not like. Uh, like Silicon Valley is in LA, but I feel like it would make more sense if they were like, "Yeah, we're from like the Silicon Valley store because like it's a computer thing." I don't know. Um, I just thought it was weird to think that it originated in Beverly Hills.
0: Well, I don't think the f- the phrase "flagship" means that it's necessarily like the original store. Oh, <laughs>
1: what does it mean? I think it
0: just. Me- Do I not know what words mean? <laughs> um, I. This is how I interpreted it. I think of flagship as being, like, the biggest or, like, the fanciest store.
1: Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Not necessarily. I'm I'm looking up what flagship means. The best or most important thing owned or produced by a particular organization. Yeah. Okay, so so you are right. I was wrong. I admit that. End of the um... episode.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, Food is sexy. (laughs) Finally, you can end the
1: show, because I admitted it. (laughs) Um, the, the... Other employees from the Beverly Hills store uh, refuse to admit that we did the TPing, but they say, we're in Burbank and that's a crime. They reveal that they're in Burbank because they're mad that the Burbank Bymore is getting some kind of fancy new computer model first. Big Mike shoes them away. He tells the Burbank employees not to retaliate and to clean up the mess. As everyone else is cleaning and Chuck is not cleaning, uh, he notices that the nerd herd computer is acting up. He asks it if it's feeling okay, and a message appears on the screen, not unlike the one Orion sent to Pilgrim just a few minutes ago. The message says, I know your secret. At first, Chuck thinks someone in the store is pranking him, and he laughs really loudly. No one acknowledges this at all. <laughs> uh, the computer screen continues, you're the Intersect, we have to meet. Chuck asks why, aloud, and the computer says, because I'm Orion. Orion tells Chuck that the Nerd Herd's computer is not secure, and he will send a computer of his own to Chuck's location. Chuck is extremely jumpy when Sarah arrives a moment later. It seems like he's not going to tell her what happened, but then he does. We cut to a meeting with Beckman where Chuck reveals he's been searching for Orion on his own. Everyone is furious with him, even more so when he reveals that Orion also knows that Chuck is the intersect and is sending Chuck a computer. Beckman says she wants that computer under lock and key because Orion's computers are capable of, like, messing with military and drones and whatever. Unfortunately, right at that moment, a courier delivers the computer to the Nerdherd desk. It's not a uh, evil courier this time, as far as we know. So that's a first for Chuck. Yep. Uh, apparently, Orion isn't really great at planning, though, because the courier says this is for Chuck, and Lester, assuming it's the new gaming computer, says I'm Chuck, and he takes it. Ooh. At this point, um, did you notice all of the uh, ads in the Buy More for Fable Two? I did. Yeah, I noticed that there's there's at least two. There may be more.
0: Fable games or advertisements for Fable 2?
1: All of the above.
0: They were, uh, yeah, they were really leaning in. Thanks, Fable yeah. 2, for sponsoring this episode of Chuck. Yeah,
1: thanks, Fable 2, I, and O'Reilly's he it was Auto really, Parts.
0: it was really crazy, though, was that I watched this episode, and then I watched, um... I guess I must have been watching It's Always Sunny. And they had a Fable 2 display in the back of the store that they were in, and It's Always oh, Sunny. Oh, that's so weird. So I saw two different product placements for Fable 2, and uh, I had to buy it at that point. I had no choice.
1: <laughs> did you?
0: I, I've i been enjoying Fable 2 ever since.
1: Oh, my God.
0: I, I did not buy it. I don't know what it is. Okay. I think it's All an right. Xbox game. I'm not sure.
1: Back at the Nerd Herd desk, Sarah is pissed off and hurt that Chuck didn't tell her about his rogue operation searching for Orion. She says Chuck should have trusted her. Since Lester didn't sign the computer in on the delivery sheet, Chuck and Sarah have no idea that Orion actually delivered something, so they think they're still waiting for it. Meanwhile, Lester leads Morgan into the Bymore bathroom and subsequently to Jeff's office, which is an out of order handicap stall decked out with lava lamps and a recliner and other Bymore paraphernalia.
0: Looked pretty fun. They had the, uh, the wheel of torture in the back.
1: Yeah, it actually was kind of cool. Uh, I feel bad for any. People who need to use that bathroom. Uh, True, because they they can't. Um, I don't know if there's another uh, bathroom available, um, or I don't know. But uh, it's you, we, this, we know. this
0: gag is not ADA approved. Yes. Um, also, if you're hanging out in a bathroom, I imagine it kind of would harsh your chill if you smell a bathroom while you're hanging out in your yeah, your especially like area. a guy's bathroom. What, I mean, you, I you I don't
1: I don't spend a lot of time in what Chuck later refers to as the little boy's room, but I just feel like there's the connotation that they're telling. Who knows? Buster and Jeff show Morgan the computer that Orion delivered meant for Chuck. When they turn it on, the computer asks them to identify themselves. A series of responses that they just casually blink in leads to what they think is a target strike simulator, but we know is actually the real thing. They put in the address of the Bimor for an attack, and we see a missile approaching that definitely looks real. Yeah, <laughs> uh, LA Skyline. Monitoring the airstrike situation from Castle, Casey and Sarah assume that Orion is planning to bomb Chuck's location and kill him. Chuck doesn't think this is the case. Right at this moment, Morgan decides it's a better idea to fake airstrike the Beverly Hills by more instead of their own store, so they redirect the missing. Seeing this, Chuck realizes that Morgan must have a computer. He alerts Sarah and Casey, and they begin a high stakes manhunt for Morgan. In the bathroom, Morgan is alarmed and the truck calls him twice, which he never does. This uh, reminded me of the time that you called me on the phone and I thought <laughs> someone had died.
0: I was thinking of that as well.
1: Yeah, we, uh, Chris, uh, I think it's still true. You really don't call me ever.
0: No, we. Other I don't than, think like, we've this, ever spoken on the phone.
1: Yeah. So um, one time in college, he called me and it was very scary. No,
0: but you called me one time.
1: <laughs> oh, I wonder if. I thought I you call called you me when
0: it? you got hit by a car. Or did you not even call me then?
1: I don't remember that. I mean, that was all a a bit of a blur of an experience. Um, I don't think you answered, though, if I did call
0: you. (laughs) Well, because I was doing the Morgan thing of waiting for two calls to be like, oh, it must have just been a butt dial unless he calls me twice, in which case it must be an emergency.
1: Well, like, the better part of that story is that, like, I called my mom and she was like, hey, I'm on the phone. Can I call you back? And I was like, sure. And then I waited.
0: Laying on the ground. Yes. After being hit by a car.
1: Yep, um shock is a is a fun thing. <laughs> you were very nice to me when I re- returned back to the sweet note I think you and Catherine got me some peas to put on my back.
0: I don't remember just, that. Just but, accept okay, it yeah, take yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Why did I have peas?
1: Um, like ice. I think. Like oh, ice. okay. Like not like a can of peas. What well, would have given a you a bag of peas? Yeah. Lester will Morgan answered the phone because. Chuck must be after Lester's computer. Fortunately for the Beverly Hills Bymore, Morgan answers anyway and tells Chuck where they are. Chuck rushes in and manages to stop the missile just before it strikes. Sarah and Casey follow him in, but Chuck says, Sarah, you're in the little boy's room. And then she gets embarrassed and leaves.
0: But I think that was a way of protecting her cover. Yeah, that's fair. Because otherwise, why would Sarah run into the men's room for the computer?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even um, no, well, like, no one was out of the stall yet, so they wouldn't even know she was there. But I guess, it, yeah. Good thinking on Chuck's part. Um, as they all emerge, Big Mike assumes the laptop is the store's very special new delivery, and he takes it. He tells Emmett to stay overnight and guard it, which, again, uh, that doesn't seem legal, but um, <laughs> Emmett has to work 24 hours if, to day. If he's
0: getting paid overtime, maybe, <laughs> it's, it maybe. could be fine.
1: Um, from one side of the office, Jeff and Lester plan to break in and steal it. From the other side, Sarah check the case do the same. Sarah comments, at least no one else knows it's here. We move to Vincent in a really weird like black room meeting with like a league of shadows or whatever you want to call that. <laughs> it's like a bunch of faceless people behind a desk who are shining a spotlight onto him, but we don't see any of their faces or features. Vincent reveals that they've traced Orion's computer to a retail store in Southern California. Someone asks, It's a biomore store. Vincent says yes, and the fulcrum leader says that they've lost occupants at the store and believe it's a CIA substitute. So at least they know, like they would have been really dumb if they like (laughs) were like, Oh weird things keep happening here, oh well. (laughs) Another fulcrum leader says the risk is too great, but Vincent says that he will not stop until they look at and and if he doesn't have their support, he'll do it himself anyway.
0: That night, Emmett is on guard at the biomore. Sarah, Chuck, and Casey sneak into the home theater room through a trap door and figure out their plan. Sarah and Casey are going to distract Emmett while Chuck breaks into Big Mike's office and finds the combination for the safe. Chuck adds that Big Mike keeps the safe's combination in his desk, which is right next to the safe. And Casey is concerned about how unsecure this is. And Chuck says, relax, it's a buy more. And I appreciate this detail uh, because in my In my personal life this week, I've been visiting a store of a certain retailer uh, and I've been working at that store temporarily. And the manager told me that I could keep my belongings in his office because it would be safe and locked. And then he told me the combination for the office's keypad. And I was like, yep, this is not exactly an encrypted lock that we're dealing with. But at the same time, like, I've worked in places where I had to actually use a safe and it was not written down anywhere. Someone gave me the combination. They wrote it down once and then told me that I had to, like, rip it up and memorize it. So I don't know. Different retailers have uh, different different security measures. Casey and Sarah take out their guns, but Chuck says that they aren't allowed to use violence to subdue Emmett. So they put the guns away. Instead, Sarah and Casey sneak up on Emmett as he patrols the main aisle and Chuck sneaks away. Emmett hears them moving and turns around and ultimately walks by Jeff and Lester, who, like Chuck, Sarah, and Casey, are wearing all-black cat burglar outfits, as well as black ski masks. Jeff and Lester hide, and Emmett misses them, but just narrowly. Lester says, he's gonna find us, and we're gonna be fired. I'll be turning tricks again by the end of the week.
1: What is- what does he mean by that?
0: I- I'm not sure.
1: Okay. I- I guess I guess the writers have left it up to us to determine exactly what turning tricks means for Lester.
0: (laughs) Jeff attempts to throw his voice and distract Emmett, but uh, he doesn't know how to throw his voice. So instead, he just makes (laughs) a bird squawk sound and gives Emmett a mini heart attack. Chuck doesn't know where the sound came from because he doesn't know that Jeff and Lester are there, but he uses the distraction to sneak into the office. Jeff and Lester scramble away as they scramble. They get separated from one another. And since everyone is now wearing black ski masks, Lester approaches Casey, who's hiding, and talks to him like he's Jeff. Casey struggles to keep his mouth shut as Lester talks down to him as he would talk to Jeff. Meanwhile, Jeff approaches Sarah, thinking that she is Lester, and confines in her that he thinks that he wet himself, which clearly grosses out <laughs> Sarah.
1: Yes, that was, this was pretty funny. This was a good sequence. Yeah, I
0: enjoyed this. Big Mike's office. Chuck rummages through Big Mike's desk and finds a combination to the safe, As this is happening, Vincent from Fulcrum sneaks into the store from an air duct and then immediately makes his way to Big Mike's office and holds Chuck up at gunpoint. Once Chuck opens the safe and retrieves the computer, uh, Chuck tries to pass it off like he and Vincent are just two independent burglars, but Vincent is not having it. Back on the sales floor, Jeff notices Sarah's blonde hair sticking out from underneath her ski mask, and he, Uh. he runs away scared. Lester continues to berate Casey saying that he's tried so hard to help Jeff. But at the end of the day, uh, Jeff is just a bi moron. At this point, Jeff appears behind Lester and we have a delightful Scooby-Doo-esque moment where Lester says, not now, Jeff, to the actual Jeff and realizes that he hasn't been talking to Jeff this whole time. Jeff and Lester run away afraid, making a ton of noise. Emmett finds them and pepper sprays them as Jeff and Lester run out of the store, uh, crying and with pepper spray in their face. Emmett, high on justice declares bring it on bitches to anyone who tries to mess with the buy more right then casey elbows him in the back of the neck and knocks him unconscious before saying that felt good sarah's like what the hell why'd you knock out Emmett?" but as she and casey are discussing this chuck comes up to them being held at gunpoint by vincent vincent tells sarah and casey to drop their guns but chuck assures him that they don't have guns because he personally told them not to carry them vincent points out that this is stupid and chuck agrees But he says that guns make things too easy. And besides, he says Vincent won't shoot them anyways. Vincent says that it would be unprofessional not to shoot them. So he aims at Casey when Casey, like a master magician, pulls out a gun and shoots Vincent in the arm, knocking him down. Chuck's like, where'd you get a gun? And Casey says he always has a gun. Sarah runs over to Vincent and takes the pistol away from him. And uh, since he's captured, Vincent decides to take out a cyanide capsule from his (laughs) ring. and he uh he just bites into it and kills himself on the Bymore floor
1: yeah uh that's i mean i'm sorry to laugh that's not funny but i was just like i wrote down like chuck has witnessed this man die horrifically in <laughs> front of him
0: he uh he bites out of the capsule and he foams from his his mouth and just dies on yeah, the biomore floor right
1: away and it's it's very like I mean, I wouldn't say it's, like, the most gruesome it could possibly be or anything, but, like, it was, like, you saw that happen. It was mm-hmm. pretty, it was pretty violent. It was yeah, pretty it's horrific.
0: It was definitely graphic. And yeah. Chuck admits that he did not need to see that. Yeah. Speaking But, of, I mean,
1: even so, like, that's pretty cavalier.
0: Yeah. Speaking of things which are graphic and are left best unseen, we cut to Morgan's house, where Morgan, in his childhood bedroom, lays awake, Let's stick to Big Mike, bake sweet, passionate love to Bologna on the other side of his wall.
1: Why hasn't he moved into his new apartment yet? I don't know. Like, he had the lease application. I mean, maybe if this episode is taking place, like, a couple days later, they just haven't moved in yet. But, like, or I mean, maybe they didn't get approved. I don't know. I want I to know more. Why is he still at home?
0: He, uh, Morgan is clearly haunted by this. Big Mike. Yes. Having sexual relationships with his mom on the other side of the wall. We cut into Bologna's room and see her and Big Mike getting frisky when Big Mike receives a phone call from Emmett. Emmett tells Big Mike that the store is in danger. So Big Mike stops the lovemaking and bangs on the wall and says, Morgan, wake up. We got trouble at the store. Beverly Hills is making moves. <laughs> Two things to know here.
1: Was that was that supposed to be Big Mike? Whatever voice he just did?
0: <laughs> well, he's just shouting. I just thought it was okay. funny when he, he said it. All
1: right. We got trouble yeah. at the
0: store. Two things to know here. Uh, before we cut to the next scene, we hear Bologna say, time for a quickie. Very quickly and very quietly. Did you catch this?
1: I did catch that, yes.
0: I had to like, replay it a few times because I'm like, did I he- make that up? or it's? Nope, she says it. But they don't show her saying that, and it's so quick. No, yeah. Also- well, it's a quickie. Also, it's quick. the only picture that Bologna has on her nightstand is a terrible photo of Morgan.
1: Yes, I did notice that. <laughs>
0: it's a framed photo of Morgan in his Bymore, Bymore short with his mouth open.
1: Yes, I, yes it is. I appreciate
0: that. I thought it was funny. Yeah. Back at Castle, presumably after disposing of Vincent's corpse, Sarah, Casey, and Chuck are trying to figure out, you know, what exactly happened, how a fulcrum agent knew that Orion's computer would be at the Bymore. Chuck says that he can get to the bottom of it if he can just look at the Orion computer, but Beckman pops up on the screen, this time from a private jet and tells Chuck Uh. not to touch the computer and says that all of them are in trouble because she and her team believe that by conducting his own private search for Orion, Chuck walked into a fulcrum trap. Uh. Chuck pleads that if he doesn't respond to Orion via the Orion computer, Orion may never contact him again, so they need to act quickly. Beckman says that her team will handle the laptop in case he snatches it up from Chuck's hands. Chuck tries to get Sarah to side with him, but she won't because of her orders and she don't give a shit uh chuck continues saying that they don't have time to send the laptop to washington dc and beckman says that she agrees that's why she's on her way to burbank to take over operations i don't know about you aaron but i got a little nervous when i realized that beckman was coming i know she's a fictional character in a fictional show but i was like oh she heard that we've been talking shit about her
1: oh i well yeah i think that's fair i was just really excited to see her
0: you're excited to see her
1: in, in the flat. I know things yeah. are,
0: are getting kind of rocky between you two.
1: Yeah, I know, but I mean, I don't know. I like we have the kind of bond that, like, we like we can like rib each other. Like, we like I can disagree with some things that she does, but like at the end of the day, like she's still my shining star. That's
0: really nice. Yeah. Beckman says that if Fulcrum knows that Chuck is the Intersect, he will have to return to DC with her and live in a secret bunker. She adds that Chuck is not allowed to say anything to any of his friends or family. And at this point, I was thinking, I feel bad for Chuck. Can you imagine how emotionally draining it must be to constantly be receiving threats that you're being taken away to an underground bunker and that you can't say goodbye to your friends and family or ever see them again?
1: Yeah, like, that's, I mean... This is like
0: a regular occurrence for him. This is something that he deals with on a day-to-day basis.
1: Yeah, like, I think that uh, Chuck is handling things, like, remarkably well, considering, like, he just saw a man, like, cyanide himself is, like in like the last episode which is presumably like a couple days a couple weeks like he he's always in near-death situations he like handled a gun for the first time and accidentally shot someone in the leg like there's all these traumatic things and he's like he's still doing good he's cracking jokes he's he's handling it i think he deserves uh, some sympathy and i think he deserves some praise
0: later that night Chuck is back at his apartment, living it up because Ellie and Devin are still out of town. And and by living it up, I mean practicing the speech he hopes to give to Beckman that will convince her not to take him away like some kind of rabid animal. Sarah and Casey find him, and Chuck tells them that he truly believes that he was communicating with the real Orion and not Fulcrum, and he just needs five to 45 minutes to explain this to Beckman, who is on her way. Sarah says, Beckman doesn't want to see you, and asks Chuck to go to his room. Pretty uh pretty demeaning. But Sarah softens this a little bit by saying that she'll explain Chuck's perspective to Beckman when she arrives, which happens to be at this very moment. Chuck retreats through the Morgan door into his bedroom. And yes, we finally see Beckman in person in that Chuck's apartment, no less.
1: She's there. She's right, she's right there, and she's small.
0: She's very small. Beckman cuts very the small. pleasantries and asks if the asset is secured, which he is. Back at the Bymore, Big Mike and Morgan have arrived in the middle of the night. And Emmett explains that he was attacked by a professional team of burglars, 30 to 40, he estimates. (laughs) Emmett adds that they stole the new gaming laptop and Big Mike is certain that uh, the Beverly Hills store and their assistant manager, whose name is Barclay. I don't think we mentioned that. Uh, Barclay is the leader of the Beverly Hills team. As they're talking, Lester and Jeff run into the store and say that they came as soon as they heard, to which Big Mike points out that nobody called them. We then see that Jeff and Lester's eyes are still irritated from the pepper spray. (laughs) But <laughs> that was a good touch. Emmett tries to call the police, but Big Mike says no. They have to handle this themselves. Morgan reminds Big Mike of his quote calm and collected philosophy of conflict resolution. And Big Mike says that he will be calm and collected as he burns the mother loving Beverly Hill store down to the <laughs> ground.
1: Yeah, property damage.
0: Mother loving, also an effective description for Big Mike.
1: Yeah, it was pretty funny.
0: Big Mike. Morgan, Emmett, Jeff, and Lester put on their Buy More maintenance jumpsuits and head out to the head out to the Beverly Hills store. Um, Buy More probably this is a, a retail tidbit. Buy More probably wouldn't have an in-house maintenance staff. They'd probably use a third-party facilities vendor.
1: Woo! Woo! Undersung heroes.
0: Third-party facilities vendors. Uh, back in his room. Chuck fell asleep while laying on top of his bed. His computer lights up with a message from Orion, but he doesn't see it. So Orion calls him on the phone and asks where his computer is. Chuck explains that it is locked up at a government facility, and Orion says that Chuck needs to retrieve it. But Chuck says that he can't because his team thinks that Orion is fulcrum. Orion says, I'm not fulcrum. And Chuck is skeptical, but Orion tells him to look at the computer. A strange symbol appears, and Chuck flashes on it. Chuck asks Orion how he knew the symbol was encoded in the intersect, and Orion tells him that he planted it there many years ago. Chuck is now officially convinced that he is not being catfished, and that this is the real Orion.
2: Yes, he is.
0: As this is happening, Beckman, Sarah, and Casey are in Casey's apartment. Beckman inspects Casey's framed photo of Ronald Reagan and says, Wake up, Casey. The 80s are over. I like that. To which Casey responds with a wounded grunt. Beckman proceeds to say how Chuck managed to do the impossible by finding Orion. Sarah asks why keep Chuck in the dark about this since Orion is important to the mission and to Chuck. Beckman then calls Sarah out and says that she has no right to tell her what is important. She knows finding Orion's important. That's why she's been doing it for decades. Beckman explains that once Orion finished his work on the Intersect, he wiped his file clean and they haven't been able to trace him since. Both the government and Fulcrum have been searching for him, but neither group have been successful. That was until Chuck broke through. Back in his room, Chuck continues to speak with Orion. Chuck, now knowing that Orion is who he says he is, thinks that he could clear up this whole situation if he could just relay this information to Beckman, but he says that he can't leave his room. Orion says that Chuck can't trust Beckman to look out for his best interests and pulls up security footage of inside Casey's apartment where Beckman, Sarah, and Casey all conveniently happen to be staged in front of Orion's camera. (laughs) Uh, We hear Sarah say to Beckman that Orion could help remove the Intersect from Chuck's brain. But Beckman says that Chuck is an asset and it is vital for national security that Chuck keeps the Intersect in his head and never meets Orion. Beckman asks Sarah if she understands this, and Chuck is hoping that she says no and continues to fight on his behalf. But Sarah relents and says that she understands her orders. Yet another instance of the government calling the shots on what people can and can't remove from their own bodies. Chuck is troubled by this whole encounter, and Orion tells him that he has 40 seconds to escape the apartment complex before their surveillance system comes back online. Chuck follows his instructions and sneaks into the castle to get the laptop. Inside castle, Chuck finds the laptop, which is not really hidden or locked up at all. It's just on a oh, desk. There. In fact, yeah. if anything, I almost feel like it was more safe and secure at the Bymore than yeah. it is in castle. But what do I know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know what kind of security it takes to like get into castle but it's can't be so much more right
0: yeah but you'd think that even inside castle that they would have some kind of safe somewhere or lock but yeah
1: i'm sure they do like they should like it's they should have left it in like one of the secure rooms or something but
0: they just left it We've there seen them. all willy-nilly so there. yep so chuck finds the laptop because it's out in the open and he sits down at it uh the laptop starts scanning his face to verify his identity and turns out Orion just wanted to confirm that Chuck was who he said he was. Chuck asks Orion if he can get the intersect removed, and Orion says that they need to meet face-to-face to discuss that, and he tells Chuck that he's currently in L.A. right now, and they can meet in an hour on Temple Avenue. And this is all very exciting. However, as this is happening, we see in the background that someone is opening a body bag from the inside. That
1: was, like, genuinely scary. The
0: zipper slowly crawls down the length of the bag, Turns out that Sarah and Casey didn't really uh, get around to fully disposing of Vincent's body. Oh, they do. Um, is he a zombie? What's, what's going on? Vincent, as we learn when he uh, sneaks up on Chuck and holds him at gunpoint, was not actually dead. Instead, he had taken a certain poison extracted from blowfish that causes the consumer to fall into a near-death state. Fulcrum agents, he says, are taught how to endure the extreme pain and Vincent tells Chuck to stand up and Chuck stands up but not before deliberately knocking into the computer desk, moving it so that the screen, which is displaying Orion's address, can be seen from Castle's security camera.
1: I feel like, uh, speaking of like getting something out of this paper and then having to rip it up, like I feel like Chuck should have had to memorize this. Like I feel like I should have just linked on the screen for a second so instead of like been up there. Yeah, it's kind of strange. There. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, I kind of like Vincent. I wrote that down at this part. Like he's he's kind of fun. He's kind of sassy. Yeah.
0: He's got a little attitude.
1: Yeah. Kind of, uh, I feel like there was some room for, like, some Romeo and Juliet kind of action here of, like, uh, I don't know, they kind of made a joke about Romeo and Juliet taking the poison that makes him look dead for a little while, and then he's alive again.
2: Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, why not, you know?
1: Uh, back at Casey's, Sarah stands up to make a speech to Beckman about Chuck being a civilian, not a spy says he's not just going to sit in this room and do what we say, which prompts um, her to realize that he might uh, actually <laughs> not be sitting in his room and doing what they say. Uh, they rush to look at surveillance and see Chuck is in Castle being let out at gunpoint. Sarah rewinds the tape to find Chuck's clue, with the address Orion wanted to meet Chuck at. Meanwhile, Big Mike and the gang are breaking into the Beverly Hills Bymore, uh, and it falls in love immediately with how clean and fresh the store is. It actually like, just kind of looks like they're by more likely because it is a <laughs> set. Um, but it like there's uh, some I don't know, there's some cardboard cutouts, there's some cleaner TVs, whatever. There's
0: cardboard uh, cutouts but, of the employees that work yes. in the store, yes, which I thought was bizarre.
1: It, it's bizarre, very funny. Uh, Big Mike takes out his fiddle, which is actually a bat and a violin case. <laughs> which I wasn't great touch. Morgan asks to talk to Big Mike alone because, surprise, surprise, Morgan is squeamish about doing anything illegal. What about stalking, Morgan? What about stalking? (laughs) Morgan suggests that Emmett be allowed to throw the first punch because he was the one who got injured. Big Mike hands over the bat and Emmett accidentally knocks over a whole row of display shelves. Despite the fact that they came here to do that, uh, everyone is really flabbergasted by seeing the damage and they run away. Meanwhile, at the meeting place, which is a little apartment or something, hotel something in L.A., uh, Vincent and Chuck are waiting for Orion. Vincent asks Chuck who he is. Chuck says his name is Carmichael, and Vincent says he's heard of him. I thought, uh, wow, that's nice. That must be nice for Chuck. Chuck's moving
0: on up in the uh, world.
1: Yeah. Vincent asks Chuck what his secret is, since Vincent has been after Orion for three years. Before Chuck can answer, someone radios in to say that they've spotted someone approaching the perimeter. Orion types in on his wrist computer to ask Safe and Vincent friends checking his loved ones. to Say it is. As Chuck watches from the window, like forty of Vincent's men show up and tackle who seems to be Orion to the ground, then start bringing him up to the roof. Orion takes his opportunity to type a little message out to Chuck on the run. It's all really nice.
0: Yeah, it's all. He's
1: being attacked, and he's still thinking of Chuck. There's like
0: typos and weird little yeah. symbols in it.
1: Yeah. Vincent draws Chuck away from the window, and instead. Of Zone back to it for some reason. I thought, like, if this had been like Chuck had been maneuvering him to do this, then I thought it would have been cool, but I don't really think this was going on. Um, as Vincent is about to shoot Chuck, Sarah and Casey see his back in the window and shoot him. Chuck runs out of the room with a laptop. Sarah and Casey beat him on the stairs and try to take him out of the building, but instead Chuck runs to the roof to try to rescue Orion. The helicopter is just flying away, so Chuck takes out the computer and it reads, emergency protocol. Orion is taking control of the missile again, this time to take itself out. As Chuck struggles to reprogram the missile, it flies over his head and hits the helicopter, which explodes into dust. So here's another helicopter explosion <laughs> in LA that no one seems to be talking about later.
0: Well, they're just so commonplace. It's like, why even acknowledge yep. them at this point?
1: Yep. Chuck is distraught because he just watched even more people die from and also now Orion isn't around to help him get the intercept out. In the debriefing with Beckman, Beckman reveals that she doesn't want Chuck to get the intercept out like, of oh, the site at all. In fact, she needs Chuck because he's the only one who's gotten close to getting intel on Volvo. She says it's time for Chuck to become a spy. Yes. Back in the Burbank Bymore, Big Mike and the gang celebrate. Beverly Hills Bymore guys show up, like, with, like, no pause. Like, it seems like Big Mike has just gotten back, and they just, like, the guys show up and they're like, you know what you did? <laughs> uh, they threaten to call the police. Big Mike says they won't do that because that's not the Buy More way. Eventually, the Beverly Hills guys agree and leave, knocking over one CD or DVD or like whatever off the of case as they pass it. Big Mike and Morgan share a bonding moment where Big Mike calls Morgan's son and pats him on the head. Then he gets a palm full of what I'm assuming to be either goose or air gel, and he wipes it off on Morgan's So That was a nice one. Mm-hmm. Chuck lays down in bed. I guess like he has the day off. I don't really know what's going on. He lays down in bed. Uh, he finds a bag of discs and falcon intersect schematics under his pillow. He puts the disc into his computer and a recording from Orion says that it will be possible for Chuck to get the out of his head. He studies these anti-intersect schematics and gets it to fulcrum's lab to intersect before. Chuck is a little bit heartened. Just then, Sarah arrives at Chuck's window. She sort of apologizes for how the past couple of days have gone down and then she asks if he trusts her. He says he does, but he doesn't tell her about Orion's last fight move over to Beckman and Casey, watching surveillance of Chuck and Sarah talking. Beckman says she wants all the footage Casey has, and is then a report on Sarah and Chuck. I so I guess she's dubious about the relationship mm-hmm. and Sarah's commitment. Uh, Casey asks if Beckman trusts him, and he says, I don't trust anybody. The last scene is Chuck bringing ex machina in bed, and we see that he's moved the intersex into it to study them. So he reads about the intersex core, so
0: Chuck is going to continue Independently searching for Orion, keeping this from Sarah and Casey.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know that I don't know if he's. think he's searching for him? Like, do, does he? Does he think that Orion is dead, or does he not think? Oh,
0: right? true. I guess I should. I should say that Chuck is he's going to
1: continue trying to get the interest of him.
0: Right. Right. That's that is what I meant. Yeah. That.
1: The, my my concern, which I comic books aren't like they don't really take very long to so like if he's like staring really hard at some pages
0: or maybe he's just really appreciating the artwork in each panel chuck versus the predator
1: the predators so the, the pre- predator
0: are the drones the predator drones that yeah i mean they're called the that biomars. but
1: it's also kind of like like two different groups of people make reference to like how they've been a for a right so i think it could also
0: oh. be yeah it's it. a good point so I
1: have a couple signs I wanted to highlight. I believe you did, too. I have
0: one sign. I'm sure you will probably okay. mention it.
1: So it's our segment, It's a Sign.
0: It's a Sign.
1: That was nice. Um, the first sign I wanted to highlight is the sign outside of the Beverly Hills Buy More, which uh, works really nice as a full phrase because it says, Buy More because you can, which is, I think, kind of making fun of Beverly Hills a little bit, like that people are rich and they, they can buy more. hmm so I liked that. Um, I and I also highlighted the cardboard cutouts that they have of the store's own employees. Those aren't technically signs, but I'll allow it as the president of uh, it's a sign. <laughs> I'm assuming my third one is the same one that you have. So if you would like to mention it, then we'll have some variants over here.
0: Yeah, in the uh, in the background at the Beverly Hills store, there's a sign that I'm assuming is probably also a dig at Beverly Hills where it's a picture of a Buy More employee, and it says, proud to help you spend your parents' money.
1: Yep, that's the one I had.
0: So, the Beverly Hills Buy More having a little bit of a different clientele than the Burbank Buy More, apparently. Yes.
1: Yes. Uh, so, um, yeah, I liked... Uh, I, a lot of the signs in our home Buy More are signs that we've already highlighted, so we've seen a lot of the, like, as customers, smartest as employees, like, Buy More, Save More, like, all those things. Easter the world. We've seen a lot of those. Uh, hopefully more will come up, but if not, then hopefully we'll see other, other five more locations, and uh, maybe we'll see one in Glendale. Maybe we'll see one in Hollywood. You never
0: know. All those signs that everyone's just so sick and tired of seeing in the Burbank store. You yep. put on an episode of Chuck, and you're just berated with all these signs that you've already seen. They're just so aggressive and in the forefront of everything. Yep, they are. Um, <clears throat> yeah. That was, that was, it's a sign. Do you, have you spent time in actual Burbank or actual Beverly Hills?
1: Um, I would, like, I would say I've spent more time in Beverly Hills than I have spent in Burbank. Oh, before, so you're, you're been very been wealthy is what you're saying. Yes, that is what I'm saying. Um, I haven't been to, like, Rodeo Drive. I've been to, like, the, I don't know, those, like, parts of Beverly Hills that you have to like drive through to get to like Santa Monica and uh, but I will I will reiterate that like it's I think I said this too before the episode started that the address that they give for the Beverly Hills Bimor seemed a little bit at least to me with my limited knowledge seemed a little bit strange of where in Beverly Hills this kind of store would actually be. But um uh, yeah, uh The the Burbank store seems about right. There's a lot of just uh, shopping centers around there, so I think like Beverly Hills, the way it's structured, like there are probably parts, especially like on the borders, that like could have like a strip mall or like a a big box store. Mm -hmm. But there's like less space because it's more like built up than Burbank is, which Burbank is more like spread out.
0: Spread out. Okay, makes sense.
1: But that's just a. This is my perception from living here for a little over a year, so I could be wrong. Anyone from LA who wants to tell me I'm wrong, I'm okay with that. Oh, that's right! You've been been there for
0: you have had your uh, your one year anniversary just about.
1: Yes, I did. It's exciting. Yeah, I was just thinking to myself before we started recording how it's really weird that I've lived somewhere for a year and you like haven't seen it at all. It's true. I think that's true of anywhere I've lived. That's right. Other than like my childhood home, like I lived there for a long time, and you. Maybe that was because I didn't know
0: you. Yeah, I think we can get a pass on that. Yeah. Um, anything else you'd like to note about this episode?
1: There's just a couple uh, references okay. that we um, probably talked about. Um, there's a lot of what appear to be like Matrix references in this episode. I don't know if it's just like an intentional Matrix episode reference or if it's like similar to the Matrix where mm-hmm. having like somebody typing to the main character and saying like they're special and everything. It does kind of like either Trinity or Morpheus is contact with Neo um, this is a Chuck is a computer heavy show so it kind of makes sense um, the specific ex machina comic book that Chuck is reading it says it details the life of Mitchell 100 also known as the great machine which is a parallel to Chuck having the intersect in his head I cannot speak to that because I have not read this particular comic but Morpheus um, says it so it must be true there's other, uh, there's just some other references, um, the speech that Big Mike gives about the Buy More Way is reminiscent of the speech that Sean Connery gives in The Untouchables. Uh, again, I haven't seen that, Um uh, and then Big Mike saying I love the spell of Buy More in the morning is kind of a callback to when he said I love the spell of the day before Christmas in the morning, which is also a little- <laughs> the, uh, more classic line, um, uh, in a podcast now, and uh, that's that's about it for, uh, for this this episode. Hey. So I'd love to move into Chuck Mary Kill.
0: Yes, uh, one part of this episode that we'd like to marry, and one part of this episode that we would like to kill, kill with a cyanide capsule, oh, but not that, real cyanide. I that.
1: That's like that's that's a violent way to go. Oh. I don't know if I want to kill this that way anymore. And it's quick though. That's
0: true. Something to think okay. about as we move into the segment.
1: So, um, I'll I'll go first with my Mary. Um, I have two again. Well, I think last week I had two no, I have two Marys. Um, I have two again. I really um although I didn't agree with some of the things that Beckman said and did in this episode as usual, I did really enjoy her presence. I thought her look was really good, like the coat was really cool. It was very like uh I don't know, like Mission Impossible or like Government agency It was just cool. And I like, uh I like seeing her physically next to our actors because she is very small. And that's like, I think Chuck expressed some surprise. I so like, it's only ever seen her sitting down on a camera, so she seems big and imposing. But I think, like, a small woman, I thought that was good casting and cool. cool imagery. I specifically liked her coat. And when she said, wake up, Casey, the 80s are over. I like, I mean, it's. I don't agree with her, like, judgment of people, but I also thought, I think he deserves to be called out for having a picture of Ronald Reagan. It's <laughs> weird. Um, and then my second Mary is just, I don't know if you took the time to uh, pause it and look at what everybody's name tag said, but the Beverly Hills more employees were named, I would say, pretty actively. Um, we already mentioned Barclay, but the other employees are Winthrop, Troy Jr., and Austin. So those seem like pretty good, like, California family type names mm-hmm. there was one guy who i could not like they were they kept positioning other people in front of the name tag, so i don't know what the <laughs> i'm very sorry you were just um, pausing it Patriot in different Four, scenes what about you
0: um uh my mary so i really enjoyed big mike in this episode Aww. um I also appreciated not being horrified by Morgan or Jeff and Lester this week, so that was good. Yeah, that was nice. I thought overall that this B-plot was pretty fun, and I think that mm-hmm. uh, it shows what they can do with the B-plots and the minor characters in mm-hmm. a non, like, I don't know, creepy way. But But yeah. uh, it was not that I am condoning, like, going and, and ruining your competitors' stores or whatever, yeah. hazing or whatever, but I think it was... An interesting step in big mike and morgan's relationship i thought it was fun um yeah big mike made me laugh a few times with his intensity and just how emotional <laughs> he gets and how he had mm-hmm. the aluminum bat as the fiddle was cool yeah so that was funny. i appreciated big mike
1: i think uh, my kill is not really so much something i would remove but something i want to see more of it's just i thought that they could have like i agree with that- we thought was good, but I thought that there could have been more with the, like, definitely those rivals. Mm-hmm. Um, I Like, I don't know if maybe they'll show up again and there will be more. I think it's a very interesting concept to establish with idea dynamic we haven't seen before. Uh, I I think it would have been probably easier to have it just be, like, large-part employees coming in. Uh, mm-hmm. But I I guess, I don't know, there's, there's merit to having it be, like, another vibe or in another location. But I just think, like, it was very interesting, and I'd love to see... I would have loved to see in this episode, like, some more characterization of them, and I would love to see them more in the future. So, it's not really a kill, but it's something that I wish had been just... Like, I wish they'd gotten into, um, I don't know, some of the some of the spy stuff just a little bit in order to mm-hmm. uh, drive home who these characters are and what they're... Like, how they know each other and, like...
0: I was also kind of disappointed that the Beverly Hills store was just the set of the Burbank store. Like I know it would be ridiculous to imagine a different like store, like an Apple store or something. Yeah, uh, just, just like, something not with, like, like a <clears throat> real
1: Apple store, but like crazy <clears throat> high tech
0: place. But like something with like an escalator, maybe, or yeah. just like a, a multiple story kind of thing where you're like, yeah. "Wow, this store is really cool looking." But yeah. instead, it was just like the Burbank store. I was like, "Yeah, yeah. it's kind of disappointing," but.
1: I know I'm. I'm sure it's like comes down to cost. And down oh, to definitely. And everything, but like,
0: yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah. Um, speaking of cost and production design, that's a good segue for my kill, uh, which is a production thing this week. Um, when Chuck, Sarah, and Casey run to the rooftop of Orion's hotel room, uh-huh. the green screen. I don't know how it looked for you, but I could. The green screen looked egregiously bad to me
1: i did not notice anything but that doesn't mean that you're not they're not
0: up there for very long and they're just up there long enough to see the helicopter explode in la again but
1: yeah that's another kill i feel like stop doing that if you're not going to (laughs) acknowledge that
0: um it was like i felt like it was as bad as the rooftop green screen effect in the room and i do not say that lightly but
1: yeah
0: i was just like you could see like practically see the outline of the green screen on them. I was like, oh, too bad. I don't understand though cuz I think sometimes they're actually on like rooftop sets. Yeah, I don't, I know. don't
1: know. The drone also did not look good for the, the missile. Like in some of the shots, some of it was like kind of okay. Yeah.
0: I mean, I just it looked- I I thought the drone was good enough. I gave it a pass. I was like, all right. Okay. It's fine. But
1: that rooftop,
0: the rooftop I just couldn't stand. Yeah. Um speaking of things that we can't stand maybe it's the scooter scale did we stand this episode we not
1: stand? oh okay i i thought you meant scooter and i was like no we love no
0: scooter. no i know we love scooter but how do we feel about this episode what are our thoughts and feelings let's get into it zero to five corn dogs. where are you at
1: i'm gonna give this episode a four um i enjoyed it um are you okay okay <laughs> Oh my god, Chris is cyaniding himself. (laughs) (laughs) He disagreed with my answer so much. Um, I thought that the set pieces in this episode were good. I liked the sequence with uh, the conclusion of Jeff and Lester, um, Sarah and Casey, and then Emmett, and then Chuck, and then Vincent. Like, i I thought that was like there was a lot at play there, and I thought that was done really well. I think that the Orion stuff is setting up um, some really like. It definitely feels like we're nearing the end of this season and they're like kind of ramping up like what, uh, what finale is going to be about, what's going to happen. Like, and I think that as, as happens on network television, like there was a middle section where they couldn't really move too far ahead because they didn't want to get ahead of themselves, but they didn't want to like not keep the plot moving, but like the pacing was a little bit different now that we're nearing the end. Like, I think things are getting exciting. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, think that they, like, having explosions that no one acknowledged is stupid, but there's definitely like, <laughs> action, they're increasing, like, Coltrane's appearances, there haven't been as many like, just kind of, like, uh, filler episodes where, like, things don't relate to the main plot, which, like, sometimes those are nice, but, like, it's, uh, I definitely feel like we're getting to a new, we're about to reach a new plane of, like, relationships intersect, uh, mm-hmm. and that's, Abilities as a spy and like touch relationship with Sarah and all those things. I think this episode is like clear that they're ramping up to that, and that was fun. And then, like you said, I did. Uh, I did enjoy how the B plot played into the A plot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, any uh, any show that uh, has prominent featuring of Fable Two, four stars in my book. <laughs> um, Love Fable Two. was.
0: I think that was a really good review. I think that was a really apt description of it. Oh, thanks. Uh, I will give this episode a four as well. Okay. Uh,
1: for the same reasons.
0: <laughs> basically for the same reasons. Uh, I enjoyed it. I feel like it was kind of different than the other episodes, sort oh. of, um, but not so different that it was like rewriting the book, but it was just like taking, like introducing some new elements and then changing elements that are there a little bit. Um, oh. I agree with what you're saying. Like, I think the plot is a little bit meatier now that Orion is getting involved and that the uh, the war against Fulcrum, as Beckman referred to it, is kind of heating up. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I also appreciated the twist with Vincent that caught me by surprise. And uh, it was definitely interesting seeing Beckman arrive in person. I think the oh, stakes what? were good, but not outrageously high. Very effective. And I'm just uh, very interested to see where we go from here.
1: Uh, there's only one way to find out, and it's uh, tune in to go check yourself
0: next week. That's right. That's the only way. There's no other way to nope. watch Absolutely Chuck not. by yourself. Uh, there's. I'm glad that we have a list of you know listeners who uh, will take our word for it that there's no other way to view Chuck or to listen to reviews of Chuck. This is yep. the only form. I'm glad that you're able to appreciate Chuck through this audio platform. What Why are you smirking?
1: Oh, I... I, After this episode ends, I have to show you a screenshot I took during
0: recording. Oh, well, I can't delay. Gotta see that one. So, I, uh, will be signing off. I will see you next week as the Chuck Adventures continue with Orion and the Intersect and Fulcrum. Where do we go from here? We'll find out. My name is Chris Gillespie, reminding you that food is sexy.
1: Pauses on that really threw me off. Uh, my name is Erin Arado, and you know that any thing is possible. <laughs> Impossible.
0: Anything I like is to Kim Possible. With me
1: singing. Anything yeah. is Kim Possible.
0: Go Kim Possible yourself. Now there's an idea for a show.
1: Yeah, that might be our next one. I mean, that's in the spy realm.
0: Very similar. They could do a Chuck yeah. Kim Possible crossover
1: oh that would be sick now that they have the live
0: action Kim possible? Oh, like that's action. true Disney Plus buy the rights to Chuck and then incorporate it into the same cinematic universe as Kim Possible it's right there Who
1: owns NBC
0: uh Comcast okay
1: so if when Disney inevitably buys Comcast
0: <laughs> maybe by we just the, the time that this episode is released
1: oh god okay <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening. Special thanks to freemusicarchive.org and the artist Hadakoa for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. Make sure to email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com and tweet at us at gochuckpodcast. Remember to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and write a review if that's something you need to do. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.